Thank you so much for joining us today on episode number 142 of the Real Life Runners podcast. I am a runner. I am a slow runner. I am a marathon runner. I am a fast runner. Today we're going to be talking about the pros and cons of labeling ourselves and others and how they can help us and also hold us back. This is the Real Life Runners Podcast, and we're your hosts, Kevin and Angie Brown. Thanks for spending some time with us today. Now let's get running. Okay, so the inspiration for this episode came from a conversation that I had with our daughter last night that was talking about having to vote on class superlatives. Oh, the ever-popular class superlatives. It's the point of a yearbook, I think. It's the whole point of a yearbook. <laughs> whole point. There's no other point other than the class superlatives. But that just kind of got us thinking about the pros and cons of doing that, you know, having superlatives and, and the conversation that we had around that and kind of our experience growing up with these kind of superlatives and what that did to us. I know you asked me what my, my superlative was and I have no idea, no idea what it was. I know. I, I'm very curious to go back to California and pull out your, your high school yearbook. Maybe I'll just call your mom and ask her today. Oh, there's definitely not one in the high school yearbook, but I'm sure I had one in my eighth grade yearbook. Okay. So we were talking about the idea of labels and categories and how these things can kind of pigeonhole us, but they are also beneficial in a lot of ways as well. Well, I mean, labels are, are there for a reason. It kind of makes things easier for us to wrap our head around them. Yeah. Like we very often group people together and then throw a label on it. Mm -hmm. And in our head, it makes it easier to deal with large groups of people right. to deal with situations like, Oh, I know this situation. It's similar to this situation that I already did. And so then you don't have to think about a new situation, how to deal with it. Cause it's just like the one that you already had. It makes life easier to deal with. But when you kind of take away a lot of the details and just kind of skim over things and group people together, everybody in that group doesn't match. That new situation does not exactly match your previous situation. It's you trying to make the world around you easier and easier does not always line up nicely with better. Right. So today we're going to talk about the pros and cons and we're going to start off with the pros because number one, labels can be very empowering. Totally. You know, when you say I am, those two words, I am, that carries, that phrase carries such strength and power. Like you are giving yourself an identity when you say I am. And that's why I started off the episode that way. You know, how do you define yourself? Like I am a runner. I am a marathon runner. I am a slow runner. I am lazy. I am strong. Like how do you define yourself? Like what are not only the messages that you say out loud, but what are the messages that are going on in your head? Oh yeah. The messages in your head are, are much more important. I mean, saying things out loud, don't get me wrong. Like putting actual words to them and saying them out loud is, is tricky, but realizing the messages that just keep going on loop inside of your head, what would happen if you said those out loud? Yeah. Like, would you want anybody else to hear them? Like, yeah. would you want somebody to hear the internal I am dialogue that you have going in your head? Because you're listening to it 24-7. Right. But when you say the words I am and then fill in the blank after that, that is essentially a message that you are sending to yourself, that you are sending to your brain, both your conscious brain and your subconscious brain. And then what your brain does is like, oh, okay, that's who I am. So now I have to act in alignment with that. I have to then fulfill that identity. And this is the reason that 
identity is one of the guiding principles of our training academy and, and working with all of our runners and our clients. We give them, you know, I shouldn't say we give them an identity, but we encourage them to accept an identity of real life runner and what that means for them. And that's different for all of us. You know, that's the other thing I think it's important to say, like you saying I'm a real life runner and me saying I am a real life runner are two different things. Right. But it's, it's the qualifiers on, on runner. I am a real life runner. Runner, and then what that means to you coming out of it. But there's a lot of positive coming out of that. Mm-hmm. And I mean, as you've highlighted, I am a fast runner. I am a slow runner. You could argue, and some people could be listening to this and being like, well, uh, man, I wish I could say I am a fast runner, but that has its own negatives to it. I am a slow runner. That has its positives and negatives to it as well. Mm-hmm. Like every qualifier that you put in there does. Even just saying I am a runner has its own drawbacks to it. I am a real life runner. We tried to create as a very empowering, positive message. It it shifts habits to this is how I'm going to run my life because I am a real life runner. In like part of the way that it phrases this, it gives you control of the situation around you. So that's part of the whole real life runner identity. Right. Because if you want to adopt better habits, if you want to live a, a quote unquote runner's lifestyle, if you want to be a runner, then you need to do the things that runners do. And in order to do that, you need to shift your mindset first. You know, this kind of goes into the idea of be, do, have. Like, do you have to do something in order for you to become a runner like what and then what if so what is that thing right there's a lot of people that think oh I need to run a 5k or I need to run a half marathon or a marathon before I'll become a quote-unquote real runner like they put qualifiers on it they have to do something before that they can be something and we basically flip that upside down on its head and say no you actually have to be a runner first and accept that identity first and then you will do the actions that will keep you in alignment with that identity. I mean, you've dropped a good one on there of, um, I am a marathon runner. Can you be a marathon runner if you haven't crossed the finish line yet? Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of training plans that get you up to 20 miles. What if you follow a training plan where your long run is 27 miles, but you never did it with a bib on your chest? <laughs> Are you a marathon runner? Right. I mean, there was an elite athlete, elite ultra runner in the men's Olympic trials and the men's U.S. Olympic trials who had never raced a full marathon. He'd raced halves and he raced a lot of ultras and one of the greatest ultra runners out there, but he'd never actually raced a full marathon. Mm-hmm. Is he a marathon runner? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, does he give himself that label? Probably not. You know, he's probably, he calls himself an ultra marathoner, right? right? But he probably wouldn't give himself the label of marathoner, even though he's run that distance before. Even though he was like one of the dark horses of like, ooh, wonder what's going to happen when he has to only race 26 only. miles. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. So if you are a runner, if you decide to accept the label of a runner, then you're going to need to do the things that runners do. And that includes being consistent. And that includes all the different aspects of your training that you need to focus on in order to make yourself a better runner. It also is going to force you to stop making excuses because runners don't make excuses. Runners do hard things. Runners do what they need to do in order to reach their goals. It also just kind of starts eliminating the excuses because 
if you tell yourself regularly, I am a runner, mm-hmm. then there's no reason to put up an excuse of why you can't do the thing that you're supposed to do because it aligns with the identity that you're saying. Yeah. If you say, I am a blah, blah, blah runner, and it, it puts some negatives to it, then a qualifier. You, it puts a qualifier, then you can skip out on some of the aspects, mm-hmm. you know, or I am a runner, but... That's not helping things. Yeah. You know, the butts are never a good thing. That's usually not going to work out very well. (laughs) And I mean, I've seen this in our tribe as well. Like there's been a lot of people posting in our tribe of like, they didn't want to go out and do their run that day, but I'm a runner and I do hard things because runners do hard things. And that's what we do, you know, and that's part of accepting that identity of runner. That's then going to allow you to go do that thing. I shouldn't say allow. That's going to basically make you go out and do that thing because you want to be this person. You have chosen this identity for yourself. You say, this is the kind of person that I want to be. So in order to be this kind of person, I have to do these things. And your version of that kind of person and somebody else's don't have to match. Totally. It's one of the, my favorite things coming out of our tribe mm-hmm. is you'll see somebody post, and this happens over the weekend where everybody hits their long run. And someone posts like, oh, I hit my weekend long run. And it's like an 18, 20 mile run. Yeah. And then the next person will post be like, this is my longest long run ever. And it was four. And yeah. both of them are taking great pride in it. Both of them get congratulations from all sorts of other people people Mm -hmm. and both of them ran a long run yeah it's just they're on very different journeys they're very different spots on this journey right but both of them are in fact runners and it doesn't make one journey better or worse than the other you know there could just be a difference and i think accepting differences is absolutely crucial to this and understanding that your identity of real life runner is different than someone else's and that's okay because when you share that identity, there are also similarities that you share as well. And that can help you connect to other people and just improve your social circle and your level of connection and feeling. And then when you have other people that are doing the same things as you and being the same kind of person that you are, at least in some aspects, it makes it much easier for you to do so because then you find a tribe. Then you then you have that community that's there to help you and support you and empathize with you along the way. Like, no, it's like, man, I know how that is. You know, someone posted in the tribe the other day that they, they fell and scraped their knee. And I'm like, yep, been there, done that. Like, we've all had that experience pretty much. Like, if you've been running long enough, you've probably tripped and fallen and had a little bit of pavement. Especially if you got a morning runner. Right. <laughs> oh, shoot, I forgot that that sidewalk kind of makes that little bump right there. Yeah, if it's dark. Uh-huh. Um, but one of the things of like, you know, the runners connect to each other, we can all find similarities, but there are also differences. Like if someone looked at like a group of runners from the outside, they would totally look at them and just be like, that's a group of runners. Mm -hmm. And if they know a little bit about running, they'd be like, oh, it's a group of runners long run on the weekend, or maybe it's a Tuesday. A lot of people put their speed session on Tuesdays. So it's, it's all, they probably went really hard today. And it's just, it's this mass qualifier. And that doesn't mean that that's what every person in the group did. So there are differences within it and when you kind of do this big label yes the the powerful side of that the very positive side is that you can unite with people that you have differences with because you can see the common ground Mm -hmm. but from the outside a lot of people are looking at that and putting a big giant label of that's a runner and then they put rules that sort of a runner has to follow 
from the inside, if you're, if you're able to label that and keep it positive, I'm a real life runner of, that means that I do these things and they're all positive and my things are similar to this other runner over here, but we just kind of do them a little bit differently, but you can still see all the positives out of it. Mm -hmm. But it also allows you to make your own rules. And I think that's key. Like you don't have to follow some arbitrary set of rules that someone, you know, some nebulous person created you know there's no no one out there has defined what a runner is and I think that's important so you can define that for yourself you can look to others for inspiration but ultimately you are the only one that knows what that means to you and how that looks in your life and that is a constant journey it's it's a constant journey trying to figure out what that looks like in your life what that means for your life like right now at the maybe you're at the beginning of your running journey and that just means you're trying to work up to three miles maybe you've never run before maybe you're doing a couch to 5k kind of program and you've never run one mile straight before and that's your goal you know that is is great but then once you achieve that then you're gonna have to say okay well what's next and that's part of the beauty of being a runner too is that there's always something more that you can strive to there's always something more that you can achieve and that I think is also a, a crucial part of being a runner is constantly looking forward for ways to push our potential to find more possibilities to believe that other possibilities are out there for you it it doesn't just end once you cross some random finish line of some random race that you've chosen it extends beyond that and it extends out into the other aspects of your life as well yeah that's i mean that's a really good way of looking at at the runner identity is part of it is open to growth. And I mean, even just identifying yourself as someone who is open to the potential to grow into more is a big thing because that kind of goes in the opposite of what a lot of labels do, Mm -hmm. which is sort of the, the negative aspect of labels is labels can sometimes be very confining and very limiting. Right. If someone's putting a, a, a label on you or you're putting a label on yourself, does that put a ceiling on it? Mm-hmm. And, you know, when I went to outline this, one of the first things I said is labels are empowering because I am labels carry great strength. And one of the reasons why they can be so confining and limiting is because I am statements carry such great strength. Right. It's a problem. Yeah, it, it can be a problem because when the statements that you're saying to yourself, these messages that you're giving don't actually match the life that you want, then that's where it becomes a problem. Then there's some sort of disconnect there because you're telling yourself, I am a blank runner. Say Say you decide that you're a slow runner, right? If you say, I am a slow runner... In your head, your brain, your subconscious brain still wants to follow the actions of a slow runner. So that is going to adjust how you train, whether or not you realize it or not. So if you see yourself as slow, why would you push faster? Why would you work harder? Because you've already accepted this label of, I'm a slow runner. This is where I live. This is my place. This is where what I do. So what what is the motivation then to actually look outside of that little identity that you've created and see other possibilities? Like, you're not going to look for those possibilities because you've already pigeonholed yourself into this. Yeah, I mean, this happens a lot with people in races. If you've had a couple of races... Sometimes it just takes one, but if this happens a few times where it's like, ah, I've done really well in the race, but the last mile I tend to fall apart. What, now that's that's a statement. Like, mm-hmm. I fall apart at the end of races. What, what's what's going to happen the next time you get into a race right. and you hit that sign that says one mile to go? 
it's going to start falling apart because you've already told yourself that that's what happens. I fall apart in the last mile. Well, this is going to cause an issue because you're telling yourself you're repeating that message. So saying that in the past, I have fallen apart, that then adjusts the way that you train. You see it as a weakness and something that you can improve upon so that you can change, you can grow beyond that thing. But if you just stick with the message, that's going to continue to stay with you. You know, um, if you put yourself, you say, I see myself as a high mileage runner. Well, then when an injury starts popping up, are you going to actually pull back? Are you going to take a down week? Are you going to take two down weeks? An actual rest day, heaven forbid? Like, <laughs> if you're a high mile, oh, I, I train 80 to 100 miles a week. Well, when that injury comes up and you, you should really take three days off, are you just going to push through? And then is that going to completely derail your training? Mm, right. If you see yourself as like someone that does a run walk, like I'm a run walker, then why would you try to run longer? Like, cause you've already accepted that this is what you do, but have you ever considered that? Have you ever thought of like, Hmm, I wonder if I could run longer or have you just accepted that? Nope. I'm a run walker. This is what I do. I mean, for some people, They've tried the other way. They've tried running longer and they've decided that that doesn't work as well for them as the run-walk program. Which is great. Yeah, and then that's a great decision to make for yourself. But if you just tell yourself right at the beginning, yep, I'm a run-walker and you don't even try to see what else is possible, are you doing yourself a disservice there? Yeah, because you're avoiding looking beyond what your current limit is. Like you're saying, this is what I've got. And one of the huge aspects of running is the experimentation mm-hmm. of seeing like, okay, this is this is where I currently am, but what else is possible? Like I currently run walk. I currently have a maximum mileage of five miles. I currently run 30 miles a week. Like whatever the, the thing is, that doesn't mean that's a limit that you could put a limit there. You could say, that's where, that's what I do. Or you could keep pushing and see what else is possible. Mm -hmm. Only in your mind. Only in your mind. Are we talking Yoda here? Are we moving, moving stones and X-wings? You got it. Differences only in your mind. Only in your mind, right. Because I mean, there's a classic scene in Star Wars where Luke is moving rocks and those kinds of things. And then he tries to move the X-wing fighter. And he says, no, I can't do it. It's too big. And that's what basically what Yoda says. Then Yoda moves it. Yeah. <laughs> and and it comes up to the fantastic line at the end where Yoda literally just stands there, teeny tiny puppet Yoda, and he <laughs> moves the giant X-wing all the way over. And Luke looks at me and goes, I don't believe it. And Yoda responds with the classic one-liner of, that's why you failed. Mm-hmm. Like, I didn't believe it was possible. Well, of course you didn't. You would put this limit on you of, I am a person who can move rocks. Mm-hmm. But I'm definitely not the kind of person who can move a giant spaceship. Exactly. So he, he limited. Right. And so I think that it's important for us as real life runners to understand that these I am labels go way beyond running, right? Like there are so many things that you are outside of running. And obviously this is a running podcast. We're going to talk about that first, but we're also going to talk about how this applies to your life outside of running. And so what other labels do you put on yourself? Do you say, are you, I am a parent, I am a daughter, I am a wife, I am what? I mean, one of the, one of the big ones, and I think we get this from a lot of people listening. I think we have a lot of parents in the, uh, in the audience. Mm-hmm. 
we tend not to just put I'm a parent, but put a qualifier under that one also. And it goes exactly to what we were talking about of I'm a runner. If you just stick with I'm a runner, you can interpret that positive, negative, however you want. But people put the qualifier in there. I'm a good parent. I'm a bad parent. I'm a, you know, stay at home parent. Like you throw all sorts of things in it and then you have to follow the actions that that title gives you. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm a parent who puts my kids first. That means that you're always going to feel like you're putting your kids first, which means you always put yourself second. Right. So then you don't go through the process of ever taking care of yourself. That goes to, you know, your classic airline thing of put, put your oxygen mask on first. Mm-hmm. Like, But if you label yourself as I'm a parent who puts my kids first and you've set that as a pedestal, like, no, 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 this is a, it's a quality I strive for. That's the type of parent I am. Right. Mm-hmm. Then you're going to rapidly move towards burnout because mm-hmm. that's exhausting. Right. So we do this with our jobs, with our careers also, right? I am blank. Fill in your job title because when you go to a cocktail party which none of us have really been to (laughs) you know or you meet a new person or you're at a race right maybe we should say races instead of cocktail parties sure i don't know why i always default to cocktail parties like whoever goes who goes to cocktail parties anymore and we've i've got 17 different cocktail dresses in in the closet right (laughs) but like okay so when you're at a race or when you're in a group setting (laughs) no one goes to races or group settings right now anyway right but let's let's remember back a few months ago let's pretend we can interact with others when you meet a new person for the first time a lot of times in that somewhere in that conversation that first time that you meet someone conversation is what do you do for a living and it's like oh i am a teacher i am a physical therapist i am a an accountant you know whatever it might be but are you that? Like, you're not that. That's what you do for a living. That's what you do. And I always find it very interesting that, like, this is a very American thing. Um, I don't know. So those of you that are, like, in the UK and Australia, I know we have a lot of UK listeners. Let us know if this is a thing um, in the UK as well, because I know that other areas of Europe, um, it's very insulting to, to start off to even mention what you do for a living in the first couple of times that you meet someone. Right. It's, it, you know, because they, that's not who you are. That's what you do. That's one part of what you do, but it's not who you are. And so to jump in that way is um, just very not appropriate in a lot of European countries. But here in the United States, that's one of the go-tos. It's it's like the, the easiest small talk question of what do you do? Yeah. And, and when... And people don't even say, what do you do for a living? Like, I've, I've heard it when people ask, oh, what do you do? I do a lot of things. And yet, what they're asking me is, what's your job? Right. And so the response is, well, I, I'm a teacher. I'm a teacher and a coach. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, I, was, I was writing this out, and I was like, because it's, it's a lot faster to say I'm a teacher than to say, well, I'm the primary influencer on a future generation from both the way they think to how they interact with the entire world around them. <laughs> But next time we're at a cocktail party and I'm rocking that dress, I really think that I'm going to respond that way and <laughs> just see, see what that person does. But like, take your job and really break down what it is. Instead of saying, what do you do for a living? Say, what do you do? Like, actually answer the question, what do you do? Because this is what I do. And look at it in the most positive aspect ever. Like, do we all have jobs that have some positives and some negatives to it? Sure. And if if the job is dragging, sometimes we tend to focus on the negatives. But highlight your job as how positive can it be? And it's amazing what you can say that you do 
with your life. Yeah, I think you need to repeat that again because I'm reading that and that is just so good. So instead of saying, I am a teacher, you would say... I am a primary influencer on future generations from the way that they think to how they interact with the world around them. I mean, and that, that's so true. And I do this through teaching, right? Like, I, it's, yep. it's true. Like, I am a primary influencer. You are. Like, teachers, I'm sure all of us have had experiences, probably both positive and negative, of teachers in our lives that have either inspired us to become more, to do more, to think outside the box. And then there's probably some people that have had negative experiences with teachers that have put a box around you. Yes, because the teacher gave you a label. Right. Or, yeah, I mean, there's the classic story of Billy Joel, whose English teacher told him that he would never amount to anything in his life. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of celebrities and famous people that were not so great in elementary school, middle school, high school, whatever it is, and then obviously went on to do very, very big things. And a lot of them do have stories of people, maybe not always teachers, that tried to limit them that tried to tell them that they weren't going to be like who do you think you are you're you're, you're no one special mm -hmm. and why would someone ever say that to a kid <laughs> i don't know but you know that's me coming at it from my point of view because it's been a long day yeah <laughs> <laughs> who do you think you are but it's true though like so do we simplify our own labels to limit our greatness like how often do we put labels on ourselves because we don't want to acknowledge how great or how powerful or how much influence we have on the lives of others or even on the life of ourself. Like, yeah, ahead. I mean, if you if you take literally just about any occupation you can, like pretty much anything, especially in this time we have right now of people who are now deemed essential employees. Mm -hmm. There are a lot of people who are working right now that did not have sort of positions in society that were super, super high, mm -hmm. and now they're deemed essential. Yeah. Like, like workers at Target. Or the people picking up garbage. Right. Like, that is an essential employee. And in a very, very important job. Ridiculously important. And a few months ago, people were like, oh, yeah, that's, that's the garbage guy. But now, this is one of the few people who has to still continue to do their job. Are you looking at them a little bit differently? Mm -hmm. Like... If someone was a garbage collector, are they giving themselves a label of, oh, yeah, I am I'm a garbage man? Or are you looking at some, at like, look at that as such an empowering thing. Like, what is your influence on the world around you? I'm improving the health of my community by going around and cleaning up all of the trash and waste that people produce on a daily basis. Right. I mean, that's a whole lot more empowering right. to say what it is that you do than to simply snip it down as, as short as you can and give it a title. And that's the difference between a label and some details. Look at the whole picture. Find some details to it. Like that, that's a lot more. And, you know, I, I put it of, are you actually fearing your greatness? Like, if you put the entire title in there, if you put all the details to it, it makes your job, it, it makes you realize how big and important that job actually is. You can minimize whatever job you want and just be like, oh, I'm this, and then drop a title. Oh, I'm an accountant. I'm a CEO. I'm like whatever the number, the, the word is, and say it quickly and then move on and brush off that title. Or you can accept how big of an influence every job really has out there like your ability to influence all the people around you and then the the carryover effect you influence people directly and then they influence other people you can continue to influence 
the entire world. Mm -hmm, Totally. And so we want to put out a challenge to all of those of you in our tribe, okay? If you're in our Facebook tribe, we want to challenge you to put up a post this week to relabel yourself, okay? So instead of saying, I am a runner, I am a slow runner, whatever whatever runner or whatever label you've given yourself, um, including your profession or your career, like I am a teacher, rewrite that label, okay? And, And put up a post in the tribe. You can make it, you know, put it in the same post as one of your runs if you want to, or you can just make a separate post, whatever you want to do. Put up a post this week, because I would love to see this. And just rewrite your label, okay? Whatever you, whatever that means for you, do something to rewrite your label and put that up this week. And I would love to see that. And we can use a hashtag. We should come up with a hashtag. I mean, that is going to just roll so much positivity. Yeah. It, it's going to be a little bit scary because when you put on the bigger, uh, like full detail of what it is that you do, it takes on more power. It, it, uh, leads to greater influence. It leads to greater responsibility. There's a lot more involved when you look at everything that you mm-hmm. you do with your life. Yep. All right. So rewrite your label. Put up a post in our Real Life Runners tribe and use the hashtag I am a real life runner so that we can see all of those together. Excellent. All right. Moving on. So we tend to label ourselves. Everybody does it. Those labels can either be empowering or very limiting and confining. But now we're going to flip a little bit and we're going to talk about labels applied to us by other people. All right. So this goes in the same idea of why we label ourselves. Labels are easy. It's the same reason that you want to put people into categories. Labels make the world around you easier to digest. Mm -hmm. Like we take in so much information. So instead of trying to see everything as individual separate ideas, just group them up it's easier to look at another person and be like, oh, they're this kind of person than to look at all the details too. And so. it, can, it can also help us to feel better about ourselves because yep. it's, it's less complicated, right? It's so like, less complicated. Very good. It is. You know, when, when you simplify things and say, oh, well, that person is a runner and I'm not like, it's just like, okay, that's, that's a built in excuse of why you're not doing what that person is doing or why you put that limit on yourself or like, Oh, well that person's a fast runner and I I don't do that. Or that person does this. However you want to label other people, it's basically to help you simplify your own life. Ooh, I got to go into that fast runner. Okay. So brief, brief side story tangent here. I was at a 5k a few years ago I had done my normal warm up, so I warm up for like 10 minutes or so, and then I do some strides. And then, in waiting for the race, I go through and I do a set of running drills. And I was doing drills through the parking lot. So I've, I'm rocking like, I don't know, high knees and A skips. I got everything going. And I passed this guy who looked very fit, but like just looking at him, he was not going to be at the front of the race. And as I, as I like A skipped past him, he goes, Oh, those are A skips. I remember when I did those back when I was training harder and like he had already basically was like, ah, I don't train that hard anymore. Like I forget. He like referenced when he was back in high school or something like that. When he trained at a different level, he'd already accepted. Uh, I'm not that kind of a runner anymore. So I don't do a full warm up and skips and strides and everything. I'm just going to be a middle of the pack runner. Mm-hmm. Like he took away his possibility of greatness. Mm-hmm. He knew how to do it. He knew the steps, yeah. but he had kind of pulled back and be like, ah, I'm a middle of the pack runner. 
And who knows, for him at that point in his life, that might be okay. You know, like, we don't know. Like, you don't know what he's dealing with. No, I with, skipped past him. I have no know? idea what his name was. Couldn't even pick him out of a lineup right now. Right, but, like, right now you're already putting a judgment. Like, oh, well, he already accepted that fact. But maybe he has a newborn baby at home and yep. doesn't have time to train. Or maybe he's dealing with a sick parent or there's a lot of other stress in his life. And so for this season of his life, this is where he is. Maybe he is, he is more of a mid-pack or, like, you know, top 20% versus the top 5%. Who knows, right? Because it's easier for us to just categorize people. Yes, and exactly like like I just did, and you very, very nicely pointed out, <laughs> labels gloss over the details. Right. Like, you're looking super, super, very, very superficial. Super, superficial, I think super, is what I was going to go with. Okay. Um, and you're not going with any depth on this, so you don't have any ideas. And there are a lot of labels out there that come from other people that might even be aiming for them as a compliment. Right. But instead what they do is they put a person into this tiny little box. They pigeonhole you. Mm-hmm. And now you're confined to this space because that was the label that somebody else put onto you. Right. And this is kind of where this whole episode stems from is this the idea of class superlatives. Like this is something that we were talking, I was talking to our daughter about last night and class superlatives they're they're meant to be a good thing they're meant to be fun they're meant to be lighthearted. you know the class clown the most likely to succeed the future author the future uh, the most athletic like all of these things and all of these labels that people want to put on their classmates or other people but those labels though that superlative though that can be quite a burden to carry that can be a lot of pressure to live up to like that I know that's how I felt like growing up like I felt like that people had this idea of me and I had to live up to that ideal and if I didn't do the things that they expected of me that I would be letting them down in some way well I mean that that's anything in the category of like most likely to succeed most likely to be president um I think a couple years ago at my school one of the superlatives was like most likely to be a millionaire mm-hmm. that's a lot to drop on a kid at 17 most likely likely to be a millionaire. I think it was even more. It was like, most likely to be a millionaire by 25. Mm-hmm. Like, whoa. Yeah. <laughs> Good luck, kid. Are you taking over dad's company? <laughs> like, yeah. May- <laughs> hopefully. Well, let's hope so. But like, it, it can be a burden. And I think that everyone, maybe not everyone, but I think a lot of people have experienced this somehow in their life. Like somebody told you that you were a certain way and then you felt like you had to live up to this external expectation that you may or may not have chosen for yourself. Um, Another thing that class superlatives can do is they can limit, like they can make you feel worse about yourself because like someone that gets voted like best smile or best eyes or the best hair, like is that really all that people see in me? Like, really? I, I'm just, that, that's just a physical aspect. That has nothing to do with who I am as a person. Yeah, you got to feel bad for that girl who has, like, the crazy wavy hair. Like, she's going to get best hair. That was my sister. My mm-hmm. sister got voted best hair in high school. Right. There's a lot more to her than the hair coming out of her head. For sure. But you know because she's got that cool wavy hair, she's getting the vote, which means no one's even going to try to put her into any of the other categories. Mm-hmm. And that's that's an issue. Right. Like if that's if that's your label and people are basically trying to pick a superlative and be like, oh, this one goes with this person, this one goes with this person, you only get one label off of class superlatives. You don't get like four. Mm-hmm. You get one. So if you're the kid with like 
I don't know, bright blue eyes, you're getting best eyes and then you're not considered for the rest of them, mm-hmm. which I don't know. Does that mean that you're not striving for anything else? Because right. like, I get this one's just going to be dumped onto me. Right. And this is the conversation. Like my, my daughter was like, well, I'm probably going to get the one that's, you know, smart or something to have to do with reading. And that's all the people see. I mean, it's like, that's not, but at the same time, like, what about the other people? Like, you know, you're probably going to vote that kid most athletic and you're probably going to vote that kid as class clown, but there's more to him than athletics and there's more to her than class clown. And where is that funny, that coming from, you know, is that just a defense mechanism? Is there other things going on in her life? And she just decided that she needed to be the funny one to help kind of cover up some of her other insecurities. I I mean, that's where a lot of humor comes from when you look at professional comedians and a lot of people that go into, into comedy, they go at it from a very dark place. Right. They're really like, my options are to make the people around me laugh so that no one has to cry. Mm -hmm. Like that's a lot of it. Like I've got all of this emotional stuff that I'm carrying with me. And so in order to not let people in and see that, I'm just going to make sure that everybody is laughing at all times. It's very often a defense mechanism, Mm -hmm. but you made a really good point. Like our daughter was thinking, well, people are just going to put me in the, you know, likes to read, good at reading, smart, or whatever the category is. But she then turns around and does the same thing and puts Mm -hmm. kids into most athletic category. And that kid's got a whole lot more than simply being most athletic. Like, there's a lot more to everybody than Mm -hmm. simply a label. That's that's one of my issues with superlatives is you get one of them. Mm -hmm. You're a lot more than one of them. You're dozens of them. And... it may be sure in direct comparison to somebody else, you might not be most, but you are all of these. Mm-hmm. Like saying that the, you know, like I, I said, the, the girl with the crazy wavy hair is going to have best hair. That doesn't mean that the, the girl next to her or the guy next to her doesn't have good hair. Yeah. And so then like that person feels bad because you said they have best hair and they're none of the other ones. That other person got labeled as most athletic and they're like, but have you seen my hair? Like <laughs> everyone's just like, I just want multiple labels. Yeah. Like I want to be seen as an entire person, not just this tiny aspect of yeah. it. I mean, I'm curious if who, like if a person that has been voted into like a senior superlative or a class superlative, is any, are any of those people happy? with that like I'm very very I I say this totally honestly like is that person like yes I got voted this nailed it like or is is there always that little voice that's like really that's the one that they gave me I mean, I've I've heard some of the kids when the seamless superlatives come out and they've outwardly said oh good I got that one Mm. what they what they do when they got home Mm. like who knows like outwardly they were very excited about it because that was the one that that they thought they would get that they might be able to get so yeah they got voted into that one but when they stop and they think about it did they want more than just that Mm -hmm. like are are they happy that they got that because they managed to fill in the label that people have been giving to them for the last few years (laughs) and they've done it they did it they they were applied that label as a freshman and they lived it to the utmost so they were voted that label as a senior like that doesn't seem like a great way of of going through i like the way i mean that's a really really thought-provoking thing you just said there like did they just fill in what you know, the label that people already gave to them. I think that's so interesting. Yeah, so the sealer per- seniors superlatives are literally like, I won at following through on the label that somebody applied to me years ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because we are all much more complicated than a simple label. But 
somehow we still allow other people to drop these limits on us, right? Like there are these things that people say about us, whether they're good or bad, they can still be limiting. Like even if someone tells you that you're so smart and that you're going to succeed. And like I said, that's, that can be a very big burden for, for a kid to handle. That can be a, a lot to handle. And then at some point that kid might decide it's not worth it anymore and say, you know what, like I'm going to go in the opposite direction. Right. And, and then they're, limiting their own greatness because maybe they should have succeeded. Maybe they should have, you know, gone on to do really big things, but they had just been carrying that burden for so long that they just didn't want it anymore. And so they decided to make themselves smaller so that they didn't have to. Yeah. They almost push back against the label so hard. Like, I'm going to, Oh, you think that's my label? I'm going 180 from that one. I know the kid in my eighth grade class who was uh, most likely to succeed. He didn't graduate high school. Wow. Like he, he went the other direction. I have no idea if and there's plenty. And maybe of, he did succeed. That's the thing yeah. is I don't know. I, I lost contact with him, right. but he, I know that he didn't, did not make it through high school. Mm-hmm. Um, and so a lot of people push back against the label or just live with that one. Hopefully you can push back. But one of the aspects I, I want to look at is we let other people kind of put these things on people who don't know us very well, close friends, don't often drop labels onto us. Yeah. Often. <laughs> like it happens. It but, happens. But close friends realize the details to us, that there's a lot more than simply a label. They realize all sorts of aspects of our of our personality. So they wouldn't just put a single label on us. And if they do, that could very easily lead to conflict. Mm-hmm. Or at least like a close conversation with that person where it's like, I don't appreciate that you put that label on me. I'm a lot more than that. I didn't think that you only saw me as that kind of a person. Oh yeah, totally. And then it can even make you question that whole friendship if that's what happens. Right. If you're Angie and then you discuss your feelings and stuff like that. Me, I like to bury them <laughs> down. Just bury them. But you know, now that we've been married for so long now I like to actually just express my feelings and have open conversations with people (laughs) really uncomfortable conversations because you opened yourself up to it I know because you gave yourself a new identity I can have hard conversations where I used to have the identity of I have feelings and I bury them down and then I run miles so that they stay buried Like that was my label. That's, that's how I got through high school. Like high school is an uncomfortable time of a lot of like trying to find your own identity and trying to figure out what you're going to do. And there's a lot of like personality changes going on there. And that was one of the things that I locked in on is emotions come up. I push them down and then I go run. Mm -hmm. Like that's what, that was my defense mechanism. And then I threw humor on top of it also. And then we got together and you're like, yeah, you don't have to hide those emotions. We can just talk about them. I'm like, yeah, we don't talk about emotions. I'm going to go for a run now. (laughs) (laughs) That's what I did. Yeah. It's, it's tricky to try and change out of labels. It's very difficult to try and change out of labels. Um, but, and that when you put the label on yourself, so to get back on, onto this point is if you can realize that labels coming from people that don't know you very well should not have much influence. Then people who are close to you, they don't bother labeling you because you know that, that, there's a lot more detail to that. So that they know you better. They know you better. Right. They know the, the ins and outs. They know um, all of the things that make you you, or at least a lot more of the things that make you you that you have shared with them. So yeah. if, if they 
pigeonhole you, that's very hurtful because you're like, well, you should know me better than that, right? And so it's one thing if your close friends do that, that that can cause a whole host of other issues. But what about people that don't even know you, right? If, if people that don't know you put a label on you and you believe that label or act in accordance with that label, why are you empowering those people on dictating the way that you live your life? I mean, essentially that's what's happening. If people say you are this kind of person, that that person, if they don't know you very well, they haven't even taken the time to get to know you. They don't know your ins and outs. They don't know all the subtleties. They don't know the complicated thing and person that is you. So why would you empower them to then put a limit on your life by giving you some random label? Right. If a close friend tried to drop that label on you and it would lead to a conflict, how come you let a stranger drop that label on you and you just accept it? Mm-hmm. Like, Why was there not a conflict? Why did you just immediately say, oh, yep, that's my label? Yeah. Like there wasn't a pushback. You just blindly accepted it. So realize what labels are coming on and realize which ones like this is just a chance to kind of pause and reflect on labels that have been applied to you from other people that you have accepted and internalized Mm -hmm. like the it becomes a label that you put onto yourself and you should be very well aware of the labels that you put onto yourself Mm -hmm. which is a tricky thing we have to pause and actually think about the labels that you've put onto yourself right exactly so now is when we challenge you to do that you know we want you to take this time and just think about this and and understand that you need to choose your labels carefully because if you realize that the labels that strangers place on you should not have value that's a good thing right that that's a step in the right direction but what about the personal labels that you put on yourself are those accurate have you actually taken the time to figure out who you are and who you want to be. Like I think this is a this can be a very complicated thing and it's going to go down a, a big rabbit hole if we let it, but like who you are is a constantly evolving and changing person. And who you are today is not the same person that you were 10 years ago or 20 years ago or 30 years ago or whenever it is you decided to put that label on yourself because sometimes labels can be short-lived and sometimes they can be very long-lived if we don't take the time to actually think about them and consider them and realize what labels we have attached to us right now. Yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of like a cultural line right now, like stay in your lane of make sure that you, you know, don't deviate too far from your path. Like do the things that you're good at, stay in your lane, because I'm going to be over here in my lane, you stay over there. Let's not interfere with each other. But that that really confines what you're capable of doing. Life can feel a whole lot easier because we go on autopilot and just live in that nice clear lane. Like I know this, I'm just going to stay here, but it limits the possibilities of where we can actually go. Like if you put the lim- the label on yourself and you just stay in that lane, it completely eliminates all other possibilities. And you are capable of so much more than simply where you currently are. Wherever you're at on your path, you're capable of more than that. And it part of it is the examination of what do you want to do with yourself? Like, what label do you want to have on yourself? Are the labels that are currently there good for you? Are they empowering for you? Or are they very confining and limiting? And you're allowed to choose and you're allowed to change your mind, and you're allowed to evolve and develop it and decide if a label no longer suits you. And you can shed that label. 
and you can create a new label or you can take one of the labels that you currently have and modify it. Whatever you want to do, whatever is right for you, just know that you have the power to do all of this. So you need to choose your labels carefully. So I think that is a perfect segue into our runner of the week segment. Oh yeah, especially this runner of the week. This runner of the week has shed so many labels <laughs> yes. um, over the last year or so that we've been working with her. And it has just been so amazing to see and to be a part of her journey. And we are just so excited to highlight her journey today. Yeah, you want to move from limiting to empowering? Here's here's a journey for you. Here's a journey for you. So our runner of the week, her name is Jen Cordero. Woohoo! Jen is amazing, okay? So Jen came to us, like I said, probably about a year, a little bit more than a year ago, and her goal was to run a 5K. She just, like, she signed up for a relay. It was a, a relay race with friends of hers, and she had to run a 5K, and she had never run that before. So she wanted some guidance, so she joined our program to be able to run a 5K. And it was, like, six months out. Mm-hmm. Like, it was like, I need, I have this much window. Yeah. I'm a little nervous. I want to be able to make sure that I can run three full miles. Yeah. <laughs> and so, and since that time, she has just grown and progressed in leaps and bounds and it has been so much fun working with her and just seeing where she's come um so we are super excited today to honor you jen cordero as our runner of the week and when we reached out to jen this is the message that she sent us that is awesome i am so honored to be runner of the week here is a piece of how the program has helped me. It is so hard to express everything working with you two has given me. I find it difficult to keep my emotions in check when I think about it. When I started working with Kevin and Angie, I just wanted to run a 5K. Well, once. I, def- I was definitely not a runner and had an unhealthy, mostly punitive mindset when it came to exercise. Joining the Real Life Runners program has been the greatest investment I have made for both my physical and mental health. Running is now both my daily peace and constant challenge to the limits I have for myself. The confidence and curiosity I have gained working with these two is invaluable. This mindset has influenced so many areas of my life outside of running. I am not worrying about if I can reach new hard goals, but working for when. Kevin and Angie are my greatest support. Their plans are holistic, well-researched, and flexible. Not only are they incredible coaches, but good humans who understand the challenges of life. I would have never believed a year ago that I would be looking forward to a casual 12-mile run on a Saturday morning. I cannot express enough how grateful I am for having them in my life and on my team. Following their coaching plan has made my body strong and my mind capable of pushing to new th- to these new times and distances. We are working on a half marathon plan now, but I can't help think. Marathon? Maybe. Um, amazing and you know the reason we love sharing these stories with you guys is because you can do anything you want and these runners that we love to highlight every week are just examples of what's possible and if you maybe hear your a little bit of your story in there that should show you that this is possible for you like Jen said she hated running running was a punishment for her like pretty much all working out was a punishment yeah, for she her. did not like to work out right like she was like I just want to be able to get through this 5k because it's a relay and I got other people counting on me yeah and now she goes off and does double d- d- double digits every Saturday morning mm-hmm. and is like 
like, oh man, I struggled with that 11. Yeah. Like I remember a couple weeks ago, I, I had to write back to her. I'm like, yeah, you just wrote, I struggled with that 11. Just picture where you were a year ago. Yeah. Take the time and just be grateful and appreciate where you are in your journey right now. And that you just said, I struggled with 11 miles. Like <laughs> that idea would have been completely foreign to you two years ago. Right. Which is exactly the point is she just kept open to the possibilities that there could be more than where she was. Mm-hmm. At first, there were still some limits of, I, I don't know, I got I just want to race three. And as soon as she started taking the limits off, then it was crazy how much progress she could make. Exactly. So she is a perfect example of pretty much everything we've talked about today on shedding those labels, shedding those limits that you've placed on yourself, and really just opening yourself up to all of the possibilities that you have because you are unlimited in potential and your success is inevitable if you allow it to be. So that pretty much wraps up what we have for you guys today. And don't forget, for those of you that are a member of our Facebook tribe, rewrite your labels, okay? Put up a a post. I'm so looking forward to seeing those this week. And if you're on social media, take a screenshot of this episode and share it to your Instagram story. Tag us in it. Let your friends know about this podcast so that we can just continue to empower more people, more runners, and make this world a better place. If you want to join our Real Life Runners Tribe, if you're not a member yet, you can head to realliferunnerstribe.com and request access there. And just know that you're going to be joining a community of pretty amazing people. So you got to step up your game if you want to join us. So as always, guys, thank you so much for joining us. This has been episode number 142 of the Real Life Runners podcast. Now get out there and run your life.